Okay, uh, dear brothers and sisters, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Assalamu uh, alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, I'm your host, Mu'azzam Beg, joining you from Birmingham. Um, on this uh, discussion, we're going to have about the life of an extraordinary individual uh, who's in Guantanamo still. Um, but before I speak about him completely, I just wanted to also tell you that uh, joining me this evening is our dear and beloved brother from sunny Serbia, uh, uh, Belgrade, in fact, uh, who's a former Guantanamo prisoner, an author, an artist, and a general troublemaker, Mansour Adbefi. Um, please say salam to our brothers, take, take your, uh, um, your, your, uh, your mute off. So, Saifullah Paracha is one of three prisoners, three prisoners in Guantanamo who've been held for around 18 to 19 years without charge or trial, who have become uh, a historic case for several reasons. He is one of three who have become cleared for release, the first people cleared for release under the administration of Joe Biden. Um, Saifullah Paracha is a Pakistani citizen uh, and he's also the oldest prisoner in Guantanamo. Alongside him, uh, a brother called Abdurrahim Rabbani has also been cleared for release. He is the brother of Ghulam uh, Ahmed Rabbani who remains also in Guantanamo. And also the third person cleared for release was Uthman, Abdurrahim Uthman, a Yemeni, um, who's also been cleared for release. Now, as everybody that's connected to Guantanamo knows, it doesn't mean necessarily that if you're cleared for release that you will actually be released. In fact, there are a large number or there are a significant number of at least six other prisoners who have been cleared for release for many years who are still in Guantanamo for no fault of their own. Um, but of course, we know that's part of the injustice of, it, of Guantanamo. Before I get into our discussion, um, from uh, Mansour's own first-hand eyewitness experience of this quite extraordinary individual, um, uh, Saifullah Paracha, who I've heard about from several of the prisons, I, I, former prisoners, I've never met him myself, but I've heard of him from Shakir Amr, from Faiz al-Kandari, and from uh, Masood, who you'll be hearing, from Mansour, who you'll be hearing uh, later on. Uh, before we get to that, inshallah, I have a special video message, a, a voice message rather, from Sheikh Faiz al-Kandari, um, giving quite a, a very powerful message about his interaction and knowledge of Saifullah Paracha. So if, Azad, if I could ask you to play that video now, uh, so that oh. I don't... Yeah, Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I still remember that day. We were in solitary confinement in Camp 5. The brothers, as usual, busy reading Quran. And then they used their outdoor time in the cages to talk with the other brothers through the blurred windows. I heard about a brother who had just arrived to Guantanamo. He was elderly with the heart conditions. His name was Saifullah Baracha, a millionaire who was tested by Allah with a dire affliction. But I never saw him without a beautiful smile. I remember very well when one of my brother asked me to talk to him in English through the blurred window to console him in his hardship. But when I talked to him, I found him a mountain of patience and content. I felt ashamed of myself for condoling someone like him. He told me once in the outside cages, Listen to me, son. Allah has blessed me with a great fortune, but I swear by Allah, I don't cons consider it anything in comparison to the blessing of being in Guantanamo, which has brought me closer to Allah. He told me, after my capture, I lost millions and properties, but I thank Allah 
that I didn't lose my greatest fortune, my faith. He told me about his son, Uzair, who was framed by the United States and sentenced to 30 years in jail. I will never forget the glow in his eyes as he was telling me proudly, my son Uzair sent me a letter a few months ago telling me he thanks Allah for blessing him with this affliction in his sake and that he is content in Allah's destiny and rejoices in meeting me if not in this life then in paradise his eyes then teared up and he told me my son Uzair memorized all the Quran in his captivity what a greater blessing is there I was listening in marvel to this weak sickly body how could it carry such a strong spirit I ask Allah to release all of our brothers in captivity all around the world. Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That was a very, a very moving message from our brother, uh, and uh, Sheikh Faiz al-Kandari, who uh, sent that message from Kuwait. He, Faiz himself was imprisoned in Guantanamo, just like Mansour, for 14 years without charge or trial. Uh, just so that you're aware, <clears throat> in this mess, in this message, of course, he spoke about Faiz spoke about Uzair Puracha, who was detained and imprisoned, given a sentence, a 30-year sentence in the United States of America for uh, supporting terrorism. That decision has now been overturned. He the the ruling has been vacated, and by Allah's grace, uh, Uzair Puracha is back home with his family uh, as an innocent man, um, and. If we understand that that uh, Saifullah himself ended up in Guantanamo as a result of his own son being framed uh, for something that he didn't do, something that he wasn't in the United States of America, it stands to reason that Saifullah himself should be should have never have gone to Guantanamo. And with that in mind, I'm going to inshallah now open up with Mansoor uh, to talk about different aspects. First, we're going to talk about Saifullah, the Saifullah that he that he knew and knows. And then we're going to talk about a bit about the process, about how a person remains and actually gets freed in Guantanamo uh, after something known as the periodic, uh, being involved in the periodic review boards, which determines whether a person should or should not be released. So, Mansoor, let me ask you the first question. Um, I, you heard this very moving uh, statement from, from Faiz. What was your first interaction with Saifullah Paracha? What was your first um feeling towards him and, and your first sense of this man that uh, Faiz spoke of. First of all, my first interaction with the father, uh, Saifullah Bracha, was in Kim 5. Uh, Saifullah Bracha arrived in Guantanamo in 2004, immediately to Camp uh, uh, Five. We were in the uh, we were in, uh, in the cages back in the cages. So we heard that there is uh, there is a brother, an older brother, who Pakistani, and who arrived with a group to uh, Camp Five. Camp Five opened in 2004. Well, at that time they call uh, the interrogator uh, called uh, uh, hammer on heads. It was really uh, intensive uh, torture, enhanced interrogation. Uh, uh, torture and interrogation and so they used to take us uh, uh, group after group when i arrived the first thing i arrived i saw something hang on one of the doors it's like what's, what 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 was that then they told me there is an old man a pakistani man who had uh, uh, stomach and he had like heart diseases and so on so we you know part of the interrogation we had one hour to go to the rec yard in a, in, a, in a week so again they would take us to see what we talk about if we need knew each other it was also a part of the interrogation then i met i the first time i saw several bracha i saw a guy who is i mean 
I saw biggest smile in his face, and you can see joyful in his face at the same time a sense of humor. So, salam alaikum. Are you my lot's son? I said, Wa alaikum salam. How are you? I said, you are my son. So, then we start. It was like you know we try when you as because I had experience when I was in the uh, cages. My neighbor was 105 years old. This is one of the hardest thing for me. I I put I sent you his uh, photo. That's one of the so, Afghani prisoners. Yeah, I, I sent you the photo. Please, you can put it in the in the chat chat. So I also at the same time, like as alhamdulillah, as Muslims and in our culture, we you know uh, had a lot of respect for elderly and so on. So when I approached Shasha, tried to hang uh, handshake and you know to uh, to support him a little, <laughs> I found that like a baby in the hand of his father, literally. And everyone, Shah, 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 like, what means Shah, like, the uncle? So yes. this is my, my first interaction with him. We spent one hour talking about, about many things, politics, about uh, history, about, I mean, like, I just stared at him like, wow. So this is what my first time with, then every time I want to go with this, <laughs> you know. So, so let me just, level of but one moment, one moment, something, I found it something really funny. Um, you came, you used the term Shasha, and uh, for those who don't, those are many of the Pakistani and Indian brothers who are listening, what's safe, what uh, Mansoor is saying is Chacha, but because in Arabic there's no, there's no Cha, he becomes Shasha. Uh, and it's interesting that because I think Shasha, correct me if I'm wrong, is also means like a, like a screen. Um, uh, and uh, it just seems that this interaction that you have with, with the Saifullah is that he becomes for you guys a guide, a teacher, a role model. Tell me some of the types of things that you would discuss with him and why, sure. why did you feel that he's somebody that you could uh, learn? Like, uh, and I ended up at Guantanamo at 18 years old and there is a lot like, as I came from Grand Foreman, there was a lot I didn't know about the world, about life, about everything, about myself, about everything. So when I start talking to Shasha, you know, Shasha understood us, understood the situation we are in. And despite Saza was under uh, punishment from the interrogation, he had only pants, shirt, and isomat. That's it for one year. And I would like to talk before that. We'll go that. So when we start talking to Shasha and translate, start translation, and and he, you know, like start like uh, start uh, supporting us, it would be easy. Thanks for turning. Okay, don't be afraid, and so on. So like, okay, Shasha, <laughs> and. You know, usually we uh, we fight with the guards, but in the block, Shasha would say, "Okay, just calm down, sending the guards," and always try to solve the problem like in a peaceful way. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala both respect and love for Shasha in 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 every heart. Like guards, uh, camp staff, everyone respected Shasha. So, but I never saw Shasha, Father Shasha, angry or mad. He's very, uh, very strict when like when come to teaching uh, because we spent some time teaching. But other than this, everyone loves him. So we, we will go to that. But if I go back, uh, when I was like, then I was spent only a uh, few weeks, then they move him to uh, uh, around. Then Saifullah, uh, uh, Father Saifullah Bracha moved to Kempur. Then we separated from there. Then I started asking around. Where, where is uh, Shasha? Like he said, they said he's in camp for. Should I continue or you want to ask another question? No, 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 that's, that's really good. I, I, I want to actually get to this, this thing because you, Saifullah Paracha as somebody who's very wealthy, very well-to-do, very well-educated, wasn't necessarily the, the typical type prisoner. Um, how, how did other people, when they saw him, did they think, uh, when when you saw him, how did you feel that this wealthy man that's got everything going for him, he lived in America? Nope. He's very very simple, very simple man. I mean, like as I told you, very simple. You even like at that time, I didn't know he was a millionaire or a businessman or a successful in his life. I came to later when I like really go deep with him in Camp Six when you when you meet again. At that time, he's just a kind of guy, uh, well educated and. Uh, we didn't have much time to spend with each other. It was like also hard and difficult to talk in the block. Mm -hmm. So most of us 
no, no, don't think about it. Just we just our obligation to take care of him, and if there is a problem, we will be there. But we found ourselves; he's the one who take care of us. So he moved to camp four, and I uh, in camp five we spent time on hunger strike, force feeding, and until the the turn yeah and that the turn of uh, when the, the uh, obama administration in 2009 then 2010 they opened the camera living so by 2011 they closed camp four and they moved the brothers from camp four to camp six i was in camp six at that time and i was i was start i started learning english by myself like trying to get a dictionary USA today, taking talking to the guards, watching TV, listening to some audio, but was hard and difficult. Brothers told me they said there is a, there, there is an uh, old man Pakistani. He taught a lot of brother English. They speak very well. I said what? You know what? I'd like to meet him. And I, I said the brothers who speak English, they speak fluent. Like I said because I know him. We work together. They said we study with Shasha. Oh, Shasha, the Pakistani guy. They said okay. Then when I met Shasha again, 2012, he was in the rickyard. I said, I came, do you remember me? He said, yes, I remember you're the troublemaker. I said, okay. I said, I need you to teach me English. It's okay, start from tomorrow. I was in Echo, Shasha was uh, in Delta block. I was in Echo block. So on the second day we went meet uh, after Asr in the rickyard. And I bring my paper, my pen, and I show him everything. He said, okay, just cancel everything. We'll start from, we'll start from now. Start writing ABC. I said, but you know, I, I know how to write ABC. He said, shut up. I said, what? He said, just shut up. I am the teacher. I said, okay. He said, okay. Now he brought me some, he already prepared some uh, handwriting with his hand, cursive writing. He said, okay, I need to write. I have to write ABC, A, A, A five pages. <laughs> just in a it's cursive like, way. Like, like your child at school. Just started from the scratch. Then I found myself start writing like, it wasn't, you know, I'm like, I know I have to write ABC. So like, what's the big deal? <laughs> the second day I look at him, look right at my face. We'll do it again. But no, he go, he very, very strict in education. Like very, very serious, very strict. Then I know he's a very serious guy. He's like, I want you to learn. I said, I don't care what's your level. I don't know what purpose. So we spent uh, one week. Then he said, if you want to learn, you have to move to my block. I said, okay. So from there, I moved to Shasha block. Then I start really come close to him, like, you know, come into his life. And we were uh, four of us, Khalid and Saeed, uh, me and uh, Abdel Malik, we were four students. And he said, now I'm going to make uh, all of you study together uh, English. You know, we knew, like said, okay. Then he said, we started learning English. He said, okay, when you live here, what are you going to do? We don't know. I said, okay, from tomorrow, we are going to study business and English at the same time. I said, but before that, I need you to build a classroom. How? He said, not my business. Ask your brother with the cardboard. He said, okay, he's like, you have three days. I need a classroom. Okay, Shasha. <laughs> so, so explain, let, let, let's just go into that a little bit. So he wants a classroom. You're not in camp four, which is an open camp. You're in camp, four, camp six. Six also was a community living too in 2000, oh, so yeah, 2010. So you yeah. had communal living there. Okay, so yes. you could you could so, do something. Okay. So we chose uh, cell 106 in 105 in Delta Black in his block, mm -hmm. his neighbor cell, and we brought uh, cardboard. We made we made a table. We brought a chair, and uh, we put a clock, books, science for education instruction, and uh, a table of. Uh, uh, dictionaries and books and magazines and newspaper, everything if like, it is really classroom. And we covered the, the, the toilet with the curtain. And uh, we, uh, camp staff, the, the camp officer and camp officer, they said, they know Sasa is behind that. They said, Shasha class, they call it Shasha class. Hmm. They know. So everyone come to look at it. What was a real class, four so of us. They didn't oppose it or try to stop you? No, as I told you, because after 2010, when Obama failed to, to close the detention, they want to calm everyone down because they know if something went bad, we are going to on hunger strike, they don't want to do that. So, and also they, uh, Obama administration tried to move Guantanamo as they take a step in the right way. But again, so then I start, uh, Shasa uh, assigned me, I was a little uh, hyperactive. So 
he loves me a lot. So he said, okay, I need to do a minute meeting. Every meeting I would have like- You take uh, the minutes. Yes, like meeting minutes. So I would write everything what happened in, the, uh, in our class and what we're going to do and discuss the previous and every time. Just a question, just a quick question. By this time you had learned English properly. What, what role did Saifullah play in you learning English? No, as I told you, we started from scratch. We started writing in cursive. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we spent almost like one or two months like this, uh, writing, um, uh, studying and writing. And uh, then we moved to study uh, about uh, business and also at the same time, writing and searching and so on. Every day we have a meeting. So, mm -hmm. so I come to know about Shasha every time I talk about his life. Like uh, then I know he was born 1947 uh, and he studied in, uh, he's an orphan, you know that? No, I didn't know that. I know, yes. that, I know yes. that he was very poor. He's a very poor background. He's yes, he's, 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 yeah. he's, a, he's an orphan. And when I tell him, he's told me Mansoor, my son, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always uh, hold my hands, my hand. Oh. Said, Alhamdulillah, yes. And Allah, you will never feel that he's rich or uh, a wealthy or a millionaire. Just you wouldn't believe it. So humble, very simple. So then I start asking about his life. He was an orphan, he studied and finished his uh, college, then went to the United States, he studied uh, something in computer science, then started start a business and as long as lived for 16 years. And I told him like, Shasha, how you got arrested? You know, he said he has a partner who was a Jewish man, they, they, they work together, business together. And he, so he told him we need to meet in uh, Bangkok, Bangkok in Thailand. So mm. I said, okay, so I said, it's like I flew there. When I arrived, he was the FBI was waiting for him with the, his partner. He said, what's going on? He said, please forgive me. They threatened me. They have to bring you here or go, I'm going to charge you with terrorism. His partner. So, yeah, basically just like that. So when I come to like to know about, Sasha was moved then to get by the FBI. They moved him, he spent one year in the black site in Afghanistan, you know, the black site. Yes, then moved to uh, Guantanamo. Then uh, came for camp, camp five, camp four, again to camp, to camp, uh, to camp six. You know, it was a blessing. We have such guy with us because SubhanAllah, he's extremely educated. And when you come to politics, to uh, history, to religion, to uh, facts, everything. Uh, now, I, I also heard that the Americans at some point actually want sought his advice about how to negotiate or even talk to the Taliban to try to find some kind of a solution in Afghanistan. How, how, uh, do you know anything about that? Yes, I mean when I when I when I talk to Shasha, uh, we always know about the, the story. If, even when you talk about the the election, Shasha told me he wrote a letter to to Obama in two thousand six telling him you will be the next president. I'm like Shasha, how the hell you know that? He's like, yes, no, really. I mean, as I told, like he teach guard and camp stuff about American history, about politics, about politics, about history, about everything. And trust me, Shasha, they brought they bring they brought special interrogator to talk to him, not anyone. You know, like those all they call themselves like you know well known, experienced in the field for 20, 30 years. Even that they couldn't talk to him. Wow. They couldn't. So in 2011 and 12, a special delegation came from the White House to, to meet with Shasha to seek advice how to negotiate with Taliban because they were planning to withdraw from Afghanistan, but they, they want to negotiate with Taliban. So I sat with them and talked to them and he wrote for them some advices and so on. And they told him, uh, would you help us if we let you go? He said, okay, I'm willing to help, no problem. So uh, in our, Daily life, Shasha very uh, well organized in his life, very, very organized. He wake up before Fajr, pray a little, then start running uh, out for 45 minutes, 30 minutes, everything like this, can pray. Then takes uh, after Fajr, breakfast, listen to the TV, the news, then start teaching. All day until nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. Oh. Teaching cl English class, business, also study little like uh, Quran Tajweed or then uh... this is I mean it's it's quite amazing to have a person like that and with you in particular um, he he taught you something he gave you a plan gave you a plan for a particular type of business and that actually became 
you know, re reported in the world and the news in the Bangkok Post, in in uh, the Miami Herald. Tell me a little about the, the business plan, the 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 milk and honey business plan. That sounds sweet, and it sounds it sounds like something out of paradise. But what is it? Yes. So uh, business plan, as I told you when we study English, he he said I'm going to teach you business. So we start study about uh, business, about you know ag agriculture and so on. And he said, okay, after after uh, three months, he said now. I need you to, uh, to write a book about we have been studied. I said, what? This is impossible. He said, what? He like really serious and strict. He said, no, we cannot. He said, okay, let me reframe my question. How much time do you need to, to prepare the, the book? He said, what? Like Khaled said three months, Said, like just look at him. We knew very serious, like we, you know, as respect as Latin is like, okay, Said said two months. I said, okay, one month. He said, you have one month. Okay, start from now. So we start organizing what we have been studying about agriculture, about self-sustainable, self-sufficient community, and, and so on. And one month, we came with the first draft. He looked at it, he said, I'm not satisfied. I'll give you more time. He said, you know, we were so happy we have achieved something big and so on. He said, no, that's not what I want. That's what I'm asking. Then we do it the first time, the third time, and it become this one. Like, uh, can you see it? Yeah, how many pages was that then? It is in uh, both Arabic and English. It is almost like 80 pages. So it is in, uh, okay, the, uh, this thing, the English. This is my handwriting after teaching classes. So let's work. And this is in, uh, this is in Arabic too. It's so, it's amazing, um, and so just tell us briefly what was this plan about? What was it? What what did you hope to achieve from this plan? You know, the idea Shasha actually was very committed to the plan, and when we study and prepare, with, uh, and he said it is uh, a business plan for uh, agriculture, a self-sustaining, self-sufficient community, uh, which produce the daily consumption: uh, milk, eggs, honey, meat, vegetables, and fruits. So. The idea came uh, uh, from there, even uh, produce like electricity and so on. So basically, this is the idea of the project. And Shasha, he said, when I live here, I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk to some banks to give you some loan to start the project. And I said, okay. And he said, I will be even partner with you. So uh, I send you the link to the. It is to Miami Herald. The link is there. Anyone can download, can look at, at it, can look, can download it, and so on. I put the link into the chat. So inshallah, if anybody wants yes. to look at that, uh, do so. Also, if any brothers and sisters have any questions at all, because uh, we will inshallah uh, open up for questions in about 10, 10 to fifteen minutes. So if there's any uh, questions you have, any any points you want to make about uh, this particular dis uh, discussion or wider point, we're going to be discussing also about. Um, how a person actually gets released through the periodic review boards yeah. and who's going to explain to us uh, so please do that but in the meantime um, it's all pleased to continue yeah like as, as in social life with us brother uh, uh, you know used to get a uh, start from family from uh, lawyers and we disturbed on on the brothers and uh, he used to cook cook for us twice a week <laughs> himself and Spicy food, Shasha, hot. He said, "Welcome to Pakistan." I mean, when you hear Shasha, he you could like he can distinguish like his uh, his voice, his laugh all the time, always, always a smile, always, always, always. So uh, when you ask about like about the news, about his speculation, about what's going on in the world and so on, remember like in two thousand eight, when his one of his interrogator when when it was like a cri financial crisis, a crisis. He told one of the interrogators, okay, go and buy uh, stock from the General Motor. He said, why? He said, just buy, and you will thank him later. The interrogator went and he bought uh, stocks for $10,000. After one year, he sold them, I think, with, he sold them with $180,000, something like that. And oh. he came, yes, he came to thank Shasha. Thank you so much, the great advice. Shasha wasn't just teaching us. He's to, he's to teach guards to, they ask him some question and so on. He's teaching about the history. Like one of the jokes, uh, like one of the jokes, he used to clear the guy like, do you know what Hokar is? The guy like, yeah, it's a person like, no, Hokar is a general who used to bring prostitution to the people in the civil war. Like, what? He said, yes. That's and what he's like, 
Yes, that's what is, yeah, hooker came from. It's actually, you know, uh, in the US military. I'm like, what about Uncle Sam? He said, okay, we didn't know. <laughs> and one of the, Uncle Sam also was uh, a guy who is charged the supplies to bring stuff for the, for the soldiers too. So the Uncle Sam as Uncle Sam. During the, uh, the War of Independence. Yes. So, uh, what, like, I re we requested American history books. They refused. We were not allowed to have uh, American history book. So Shasha gave us, gave, gave us classes about American history, about the world history, about, you know, uh, the political system in the world, banking system, economy, uh, and everything. I mean, we just listened to him and learn a lot, a lot. Like, it's not just language, experience and give you the summary of like 30 or 40 years. So, I mean, he sounds like, subhanAllah, in Arabic, the term they use, Bahrul Uloom, you know, that's a, like a sea of knowledge. Yeah, uh, they call him extremely educated. I told you that they even, they, 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 they also brought some kind of like uh, interrogators. I, I, uh, when they come to visit him sometime, I would talk to him. You know, they, they also always have high education and so on, but they cannot compete with him, simply. You know, a very simple guy, very humble, but educated and... Uh, you know, he knows what life is and ready, you know, but it was a blessing to live with him. Uh, Monsoor, let me ask you, uh, uh, before I get on to you describing uh, the, the process of the periodic uh, review boards and, and the release, the being cleared for release, tell me as a person, as, an, as a family man, as, a, as an older person with young children or younger, with sort of grown up children actually, including one who was in prison, did he ever open up about how he felt towards them and, and how that was affecting him? Yes. I mean, like, as I told you, Shasha, uh, I was one of the closest uh, teenagers to him. My brother, alhamdulillah, I call him my father. I still, I still call him my father. And wallahi, if I get a chance to switch with him, I, would, I will do it. You know, it was, he said, I don't care about anything, only about my, uh, I don't care about jail. He always talk about his son, you know, Uzair. and he loved him so much. And, and subhanAllah, he said, like, even I died, I, I just want Uzair to, to get out. SubhanAllah, in the, in the hardship, he was thinking about his son. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gave him what he asked. Because yeah, he got he went, released. Yeah, his son got uh, released, alhamdulillah. And when I talked to the interrogator, he said, this is the best news for Sayyidullah. I'm, st I'm still in contact with him. You know, through integrators and so on, following their news and so on. Alhamdulillah, it was wallahi one of the happiest day when I when I heard that he is uh, clear. You know, Alhamdulillah, this is because I always think about him, and inshallah soon he will join his uh, family. Uh, one thing I want to ask you quick, uh, quickly, just make a point about uh, uh, Mansoor. You've said several things that people might be surprised about because of their vision of Guantanamo. Certainly, I didn't experience those things. Things changed, and it's important people understand that change. You know, the fact that you could have communal living, the fact that you had access to TV sometimes, access to food to cook together, and that sort of stuff, and, you know, books. Can, just explain very briefly to the, to the brothers and sisters watching how it came to this and how it wasn't like this to begin with. You know, uh, Brother Madal, as you know, uh, Guantanamo keep evolving and changing you know, and keep growing at the same time. You know, we start from Camp X-ray to Camp Delta, uh, to Camp 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Echo, Iguana, Camp other comes to black site even in Guantanamo. So we call the dark age between 2002 until 2010 during the Bush administration. Then when Obama, as I told you, failed to close the detention, what they want, they want to make things, they, he sent special, uh, he sent the delegation to visit Guantanamo and to assist the situation. That delegation came, I met with them, other brothers met with them, and they made recommendation for 30 pages to, you know, to change the, 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 the life there and so on. So the, 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 the camp administration didn't want to do that. So we were on hunger strike even before that. We start negotiating with them about the coming living, about the life, what we want. We, we negotiate for classes, for better food, better health care, communal living, respect, uh, like lift the, the, those stupid restrictions and respect for our religion, for, uh, you know, for uh, take off the search genitals, a lot, a lot of things. So from that, it was, a, it was it, alhamdulillah, it was a fruit of, of our uh, fighting at the same time or resisting at the same time, as I told you, when they failed to close the detention, they want to make things easy until to, to, to solve the situation. So Alhamdulillah, we took advantage of that. Yeah. 
and that's how the Camille, uh, the, the Camille Living started. We, we had access to TV, newspaper, magazines, uh, phone calls with our video phone calls with our family's letters. Alhamdulillah, uh, the, interrogator, the interrogation was also not mandatory uh, 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 and so on. So even the guard mentality all, changed. All, all of this, so people understand, all of this really started to happen properly after almost uh, eight years of... of in, two, in 2010, exactly. After almost well, eight years of, of incarceration. Yeah, and, you know, that change really, you know, during that, we had to live from 2010 to 2013. You know, brothers start learning a lot, start learning English, we start learning about, you know, uh, taking uh, computer classes, we start learning about business, languages, other stuff. So, <sighs> I also, Father, uh, uh, you know, he always, by the brother do that and do this when you live here and he starts also as look he's, he used to teach from eight o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock in the night every day every day so yeah, let me just ask you one quick question before we move on to the prbs quickly um was Saifullah paracha in this regard as being a teacher somebody who was very meticulous somebody strict who followed a regime was he unique or were there others like him or was this so something very special about this man you know uh, shasha you know he loves loved by everyone you know at the same time he has a lot of patience to teach you know anyone any shasha i need to teach me okay when you start you will never say no never say no but he told you you need to continue and patient so he was unique honestly as i told you at the same time he wasn't that he was also advised the brothers about preparing for the prps he was also i i refused to go to interrogation interrogation from 2000 uh, Three in 2012, he told me, you have to go. They need to assess your mindset. I said, what? He said, just go and talk. So, so he was trying, he's trying to, uh, because even, even we grew, uh, up, grew up at Guantanamo, but we still don't know a lot of things about the world because we were disconnected to, to the world. And our knowledge was no matter what, was also limited. So like, and each block, they were fighting. They want to take Shasha to their block, each block. <laughs> it's like, so, okay. yes. so, so you have mentioned a few times, and I know that you wanted to talk about this in the beginning. Um, the PRBs, the Periodic Review Board. At my time, they had something called the Combatant Status Review Tribunal, which determined whether you were an enemy combatant or not. Then the system changed, uh, and there were review boards. For, before that, there were annual review boards, where they had review boards every year, and then they had the Periodic Review Boards. Explain that, and explain what does that mean about a person uh, in terms of them remaining in Guantanamo or being cleared for release? Okay, well, just short, very short summary about Guantanamo. Guantanamo, it, you know, it was a lab, as I shared the link with you, uh, Guantanamo, America's back in lab. So it was a, a lab to study people there. At the same time, the uh, combatant uh, status review started, we call it uh, CSRT, started in 2004, as you know, when uh, Salim Hamdan went against uh, Bush. So they started at that time, they, we were informed, they came to inform us in ourselves, you are an enemy combatant. Just was okay, because we, we refused to go to the, we didn't know what, what, what mean even like at that time, because as I told you, we were young, we didn't, we didn't know what, what does it mean? But, only 38 detainees weren't classified as enemy combatant. The rest of us was, all of us was classified as enemy uh, combatant. But the Supreme, Supreme, uh, Supreme, Co Supreme, uh, Supreme Court, you know, uh, uh, were against it and they said it's not, it's not an advocate and they uh, allow, 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 uh, allow detainees to have habeas uh, petition. Anyway, so basically what the process of the, <laughs> Of the those what they call it the ARP or review board uh, or review periodic board or uh, uh, reviews, basically they, you know, it's evolved again. But at the beginning, there was like uh, military uh, officers who came and they brought information from the interrogation and they said he did that and he did that and like based on that he is an enemy combatant. There's no legal base. No, you have no, no uh, legal representative, nothing. You go there, they ask you a question. They, basically, they interrogate you. The same, the same question, their interrogation. Whatever you said, you're, it will decide. It's just, it's just an act. Formality. Yes. Then again, they did it again in 2006. Again, like, 
many of us didn't clear, uh, was, weren't clear. In 2009, when Obama came, they refused some of the cases and they cleared many of the brothers without meeting. They just take the files and review them and they cleared without any legal base uh, representative, without anything. They, you know, like just cleared them. Some of the brothers, you will be surprised who have, have been cleared in 2009, some of them are still there, still at Guantanamo, mm -hmm. four, three of them. Yeah. In 2013, after the hunger strike, it was uh, actually I want to say, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shasha play major role in the successful in the hunger strike in 2013. Yes, uh, the, in, I, I can't explain how, but. Can you say what he did briefly or, or not? <laughs> I'll talk about another when he gets out. So. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, I'll right. talk about the hunger strike. He's still in Guantanamo, so, you know, so, even though yeah, he's cleared we, we owe him the successful of that hunger strike by the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I told you. Then, so in 2000, after the hunger strike, Obama announced he will grow detention again, and they will start the uh, PRB, which is Periodic Review Board. We start 2014. In 2014, I moved again uh, uh, with Chasha to Camp Echo. We were together there. And I started, we updated the, this one in 2014, as you see. Mm. And uh, yes, and just me and him. And at the same uh, time, we 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 working on my uh, PRP. Prepared the PRP, uh, how to start, what to say, and so on. He tried to find me a lawyer, so he was actually preparing for my uh, PRP. He started writing my biography, what did, what like, and so on. So he he knew the process. So basically, when I come to learn about the Guantan about the PRP process, they assessed your behavior in the detention. I mean. And every, all camp staff assess your behavior, uh, guards, medical, uh, uh, interrogators, everyone you interact with, they, they have to, even teachers, they have to give me some, I was talking to, to the teachers too, they give me some points. One of the, one of the majors who actually the, the Pentagon and the, the government listened to, it was the culture advisor, we call him the torture advisor, Zach, who actually, I sent a link to his interview, one of his interview, how he looked at us. That guy was recommended by General, General Miller in Iraq. He worked with him in Iraq and he was sent to Guantanamo, he criminal mind. When you look at his, uh, the way he looked at us, look at us as enemies. If you are practiced Muslim, if you don't, you know, like, uh, some brothers choose to avoid any problems or no one to TV, uh, not watch TV or no interact with the guards because they want the peace of mind. From that behavior, Zach told them they are extremists, they are dangerous. Imagine they brought you to Guantanamo and they judge you beyond behavior, even the PRPs. In the PRPs, I, I fought with them. With the, uh, uh, they told me you have to say that you regret what have you done. I said, but I have no choice. They said, no, you have to. I said, okay, I am sorry. I made some mistakes in the detention. I splashed the guard. I was fighting, blah, blah. And I have to say, I'm sorry, because it's the only that, that you show that you some regrets. I said, but what I have done, what I have done. So, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is, it is also a whole of uh, act. When, so the process also let you know, brother Muaddam, six agencies, include the FBI and CIA, has to uh, approve your release. Uh, from each department, department of, of uh, state department or department of state or depart, department of justice, each department has a representative attend your PRP and they have to agree unanimously to let you go. If one said no, you will never be uh, clear. So when I, when I was uh, talking about, uh, uh, talking to uh, Uthman case, I said, what's the point? They said, you know, it's just, it's just they said, they didn't clear him before. Uthman, Uthman actually is teacher. They said he didn't have a plan after Guantanamo. I said, what? You know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you brought a guy 20 years to of his life, taught Dusharim, disconnected the world, and you ask him to have a plan after Guantanamo? I am out of Guantanamo almost like four years. I, I have no plan. So, so, so one of the reasons they refused him in the PRB uh, to be cleared was because he had no post Guantanamo plan. Exactly. Like, see how crazy it is. Mm -hmm. And as I told you, when you look at the Lakhbar Bumudian case, what they what, what they accuse him, they said he might have the intention 
to, to do something against Americans. You know, when you, when you think about it, what? So welcome to Guantanamo. Guantanamo is a mess, it's a big mess and a crazy place. So <laughs> one of the things, like as I told you, Brother Muabbam, uh, the PRPs, they know they they know to the core the people, brothers they have nothing to do they have nothing against them but they want to keep this place open to keep it open you have to keep uh, to keep some uh, some people and you have, if you are lucky you will get your your PRP early if you are not lucky it will be late and delayed as I told you they can find any any uh, excuses Muad for, Muad for example Muad a brother who is mashallah a very practiced uh, brother who you know. Uh, mashallah, ibadah, ta'and. You know, for that, he he uh, he is he uh, class as extremist, and because he's not open-minded. So, so one of the things that I've I've come across and I've understood, and this from yourself, from Shakir, from Faiz, from uh, Muhammadu, from many of the prisoners, is that really it's nothing to do with what you actually did against the United States of America, what you're accused of, there's very little accusation, very little, uh, in fact, indeed, in the case of Saifullah, you can see that also, uh, but it's who you become in Guantanamo. If you hold on to your faith, if you hold on to your principles, if you stand for the rights of the other prisoners, uh, then that is going to add many, many years on to your time in Guantanamo. And that is because the determination of who you are as a person isn't made in a court of law, it's made in the PRBs, which, um, again, as you said, has to be cleared by six different uh, agencies, all of whom have already in the past labeled you an enemy combatant uh, without any uh, ability to, to challenge this. And so that's fascinating, brother. Okay, is there, before we go on to, uh, if there's any brothers and sisters, if you want to ask any question, I know it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's hard to think of what to ask in this particular case because uh, so much has happened and the knowledge of Saifullah's case is so exclusive to, to some of the uh, few brothers who met him. Uh, but if there's any questions, please do. I would do... like to add, uh, Brother Muaddam, I would yeah. like to ask something, you know, everything has changed there. Everything has changed, you know, PRP's process changed, you know. During, uh, when Trump came, a brother has to go and has, he has to, he, he had to admit to the accusation against him. Yes, I did that. Yes, he had to, he had no choice. When uh, Biden came, the process changed. So. There is no legal base. There is no, you know, you are being detained in a in a military base in nowhere in the world, and there is no Geneva Convention, uh, convention applies, no American uh, rules, no nothing. So they can do whatever they want the way they want. So, like as I told you, it's not about what have you done because they know you have done nothing. As I told you, even Dalar Ramsfield, he said, most of the detainees Guantanamo, they're farmers. Mm. Uh, ACLU, 86%, they said they have either a uh, mistaken identity or sold for bounty. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, for, for, for Shasha case, he was connected to his son, which he was betrayed by his or partner. You know, one of the bizarre about Shasha case, one of the questions was like, when I met one day, his uh, interrogator from the CIA came to visit him because he came early in 2005, four, then he came 2014, and that guy, old guy, <laughs> and one of the accusations that you said, they said he uh, he was uh, mediated to buy a mass destruction weapon from China. When I was like, guy, did he did you find the open? He's like, come on, cut the crap, it's bullshit. So one of the it's like I said, are you crazy? He said, you know, Guantanamo. Then one of the things Jasha told me one day, they didn't find anything against him. The FBI agent they came to him. Look what we found in your note, in your uh, uh, phone and note. We found uh, the word chemical. He said, okay, what's the point? He said, you are but, he said, idiot, I have two account in chemical bank in America. I was like, what? It just, yeah. But I was, as I told you, like, it, it's a mess. It's a big, a same big logic. It's the same logic, isn't it? When the, they, because one of the biggest accusations against several prisoners was that they had Casio watches. And because some people had made bombs with Casio watches many years ago and elsewhere, if you have a Casio watch, you must be a terrorist. And that's the kind of illogic that had people held for such a long time. Um, but, but also one of the Shasha, he's talked back, you know, he's not a guy who can let go. One of the things like, and one of the PRBs told me, they said, oh, we, we are launching war against tourism, a globe uh, war on tourism. He said, but you are not the master of earth who give you the right to do that. You know, Shasha is a mental, 
who was a guy who no, she has, has principles and he uh, argue and talk back and so on. So, and they do like that. Okay, so um, again, if any brothers and sisters, if you've got any questions, uh, please put them in the Q and A. We've got about ten to fifteen minutes left. We we'll stay here. Um, alhamdulillah, by Allah subhanahu wa taala's grace, um, the eighteen-year ordeal of uh, Chacha Saifullah Paracha is, I would say, at the beginning of its end, because Mansoor said very clearly, and we know this for a fact, that there have been people cleared from Obama's time that are still sitting in Guantanamo. One of them, is, I believe, is Abdul Latif Nasser, who is a, a, a Moroccan. He's been yes. cleared. There's nothing against him. He could easily go back to his country of origin, um, and yet he still sits in Guantanamo. And there, I believe now, and if you add the group with the Saifullah Paracha, uh, Uthman, and uh, um, um, Rabbani. So there's about nine to 10 prisoners sitting in Guantanamo cleared for release who have been there for around 18 to 19, close to 20 years without charge or trial. That is the not the tragedy, that is the criminality of Guantanamo. Um, but inshallah, I, I am hopeful that uh, Saifullah will return to his family uh, and be, to, to see, to just to imagine the reunification with Uzair, just to see that, um, I think would be one of the most moving things a person can think of. That these Inshallah, one day we will have a meeting together on what you would Inshallah. Inshallah. He would love you. Uh, Inshallah, yes, we, we, we would love to have him. Um, one thing I want to say, Mansoor, now, although we've, we've kind of dealt with this subject, there's a question here before, before I, I, I get on to what I was going to ask. Uh, the brother, brother Zaman, he says, how many are left in, in, in Guantanamo? How many, how many prisoners? There's still 40 prisoners, four zero prisoners left in Guantanamo. Amongst those are 26 who have been designated or regarded as so-called forever prisoners, meaning they are too innocent to charge, but uh, the Americans don't want to let them go because they think they're too dangerous to release, um, which is a ludicrous notion. There are, um, as I said, nine now, nine who are, cleared for release and then there's the remainder after that are uh, what's known as the high value prisoners who they want to charge somehow and prosecute through the military commissions process um, but they're unable to do so after 20 years primarily because many of these prisoners were tortured and torture evidence um, can simply not be used in any recognized courts of law so let me ask you Mansoor we're just on this subject now I know it's a question and it's something that's clear you know um it, it's uh, close to our hearts. I don't want to get into a big discussion about it because it's, it's a huge subject. But I want to ask you this. What's happening now in Palestine and what has been happening for the past two years in Palestine has affected everybody. In the 2014 uh, Operation Cast Lead and before that in 2006, uh, when, the, when the, the Israelis attacked and killed Palestinians en masse, tell me, what did you guys know at the time and what do you think the prisoners in Guantanamo might know and how they might react to what's happening in Palestine? No, Brother Ma'adam, you know, from 2000, uh, as you know, like between 2002 and 2010, we had no access. We get news only through either lawyers or through some guards, if you are lucky or you, can, you didn't have access to anything. But we get some the news and it was, you know, our heart bleeds for what happened to our brothers in uh, Gaza and Palestine, everywhere. Wallah, it's one of the hardest things for us to see, especially, especially it's Gaza, the open prison and the under siege since, since the 1994. Imagine 25 miles by five miles and no clean water, no energy and under siege. It just, when, what happened in the last uh, time, it's one of the hardest days and it just, I don't know what's going on in the world. And it's one of the hardest things we experienced even Guantanamo there. That's a lot, so it's, it's hard to deal with it. And our duty, my brother, to just, I don't know, Salah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and your final bala. Amin ya Rabb, Amin ya Rabb, Amin ya Rabb. So as I told you, like, what I'm surprised, brother, the reaction of the world, the, the free world, they, they claim to humanize, to democracy, to uh, it, it's so much injustice and hypocrisy when it comes to, to Muslims, 
those we saw those children slaughter families every single day. And you cannot say a word, even like you can see those famous uh, actor, actors or singers or uh, they, they say something, then after a few hours it was deleted. What's, you see there is like huge uh, control system behind those. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easier for the people of Palestine and bring them out of this misery and bring for them someone that will come along and uh, aid them and support them and end their injustice. We've got a, a series of questions now, inshallah, I want to go through uh, as quickly as possible. And uh, there's a brother, Amr Ahmed, who said, what campaign of uh, injustice can we think about, or I guess injustice, can we think about to expose these terrible human abuses? Amnesty International, Liberty, or other human rights organizations are not interested? Are they not interested? Well, you know, let me just answer, and then I'm sure Mansour can also. Uh, there have been various campaigns, of course, that have been going on for the past 20 years against Guantanamo. And that's one of the reasons why CAGE itself as an organization was set up to challenge to uh, document and to expose uh, what's happening in Guantanamo. And that's why I joined the organization. Of course, there are others, Amnesty, Liberty, Human Rights Watch and so forth, and all have done the various aspects. There are, there are individual lawyers, there are uh, uh, all sorts of people. But the, the voice I must say that has, that has been the most crucial in all of this are the prisoners, the former prisoners. If when they were released, uh, they remained silent, and it is a heavy burden to carry this. You can hear just from Mansour talking about one tiny aspect of 14 years of imprisonment. Uh, you can see Fires talking about, you can see Samuel Hajj talking about, you can see so many different, and it takes a massive toll. Um, but if these prisoners had remained silent, then uh, nobody could have done any campaigning. And indeed, uh, everybody, including the United States of America, would have said that this isn't so bad. Look, nobody's complaining. So the the weight on the shoulders of some of the prisoners who come out and speak uh, about what's going on is very heavy and they require our support. Those released prisoners require the support in whatever way that we can give. Um, and of course, CAGE is here for, to assist in that. Um, there are other campaigns and so forth and we should support all of them. Uh, CAGE recently, I mean, not CAGE, a former, uh, uh, a letter by former Guantanamo prisoners, all of whom authors, myself and Mansoor included, we wrote to uh, Joe Biden an open letter that was published in the New York Review of Books, offering him an eight-point plan that we had developed ourselves for him to close down Guantanamo. So I urge you to, inshallah, I'll post it up in here, uh, to share that and to push that out and to ask people to sign up to this idea of a, uh, of a plan developed by prisoners, inshallah. Um, is there anything you want to say on that, Mansoor? Yeah, brother. I mean, the fight hasn't over yet. I mean, I mean, uh, closing Guantanamo as as a former uh, as former. I'm still there. Part of me still there with my brothers. I will never release until the, my brothers release, not just them. And at the same time, it's our duty. It is not just something uh, we do it for charity or something. It is our duty to stand and to bring the reality to the people because we are dealing with the big machine of media and you know what those agencies. So. We need to bring the, the reality and we need to keep, keep to keep campaigning and the media do a lot of things pressure through media through those campaigns through letters and so on just you know yesterday today yesterday, i said i read a letter that eight senates uh, republicans wrote to biden urging him to keep uh, Guant, uh, to keep guantanamo open and to keep the prisoners you know and the fight hasn't finished i mean like for me i live with this with these brothers we spent 15 years together, I know what, what the people there, and trust me, not just me, even former guards, uh, former staff, guards when they came there, they know it shouldn't exist, shouldn't, it shouldn't, Guantanamo shouldn't exist in the first place. Guantanamo stands for torture, abuse of power, lawlessness, injustice. You know, it's a death sentence for the brothers who are still there. That's what Guantanamo is. If, if Americans believe they have justice and believe they have, okay, take these people, what they mean in your justice system, if they are guilty, Okay, they can serve serve uh, serve the sentence, whatever you, your justice, uh, system just said. Not just taken, and you see this apply only on us as Muslims, and we should speak out. We should stand for that. It's not, it's not because I think you you have similar program in uh, in in UK and France. They want to copy the same. If American go with it, why not? Why not us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
a Guantanamoization, actually, you can call it. Um, okay, there's a, there's a question here from Tamara. She says, how can we help those that are still in Guantanamo? Has Biden commented on any plans to close it? Well, uh, I, I've sent that letter on the uh, chat that you can take a look at and please do share as part of the process of helping. Um, as Biden, has Biden like, as Biden, like all of the other US presidents, has said, I would like to Guanta close Guantanamo, except for Trump, who said, I'd like to keep it open. Um, but now there's been a new development in which uh, some people are saying in the United States that we should keep Guantanamo open because we don't know whether the war with the Taliban is going to continue because we think uh, that the negotiations um, may break down. Um, this continuity of this, this notion of continuing Guantanamo can only damage the United States of America. And if America hasn't learned yet, it will learn soon because it's, it's standing in the world has, uh, has been lost uh, uh, if ever it had any decent in, in the world that we come from. And uh, until voices of reason and justice stand up, um, then Guantanamo will re remain and America will remain a dark stain on the pages of the world's history. Uh, there's a question here from uh, Sayyid Haq, and this is really, it's a, he says, my name is Ozair too, Sayyid Ozair. Uh, I'm a student a journalist in New York City pursuing masters in journalism. I'm looking to do an audio documentary on the topic of prisoners in Guantanamo or released already and how they were in the prisons without charge. Is there a way I can get in touch with someone or get in touch with you, inshallah? Um, yes, of course you can. And I will uh, put in our contact uh, details there. You can get in touch with us, uh, inshallah. We will take your email addresses also and indeed have, be happy to uh, remain in contact with you i'll just note those down now so we can get in touch uh anything you wanted to say to that um mansoor yeah i already took his email i will contact him too so okay sure. so there's a final question here from an anonymous uh person who says do you feel that taking guantanamo cases to the united nations works i read recently one of the brothers has taken his case to the un could this be something for more prisoners do well um, look, Guantanamo has been around for around 20 years, um, literally almost up to 20 years. It will be at the end of, of uh, or the middle of, of, on the 11th of January, 2000, uh, 2022. Uh, the United Nations official position is that Guantanamo should be closed. So that's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the problem with taking anything to the United Nations isn't that the United Nations is, has, has not done anything on this, which, which you know, it hasn't. Um, but more importantly, if you do have a statement by the United Nations against Guantanamo, because it's not a court, there's not really much that can be done about it. But even if it was a court, here's the point. Um, even if there was a court, and there is one called the International Court of Criminal Justice, um, the ICC, which the United States, of course, not only refuses to recognize, the United States, States has actually said, and I quote, that we will arrest, uh, detain, sanction, um, and prevent any member of the International Criminal Court that attempts to seek uh, to prosecute the United States for its torture for its uh, alleged torture in Afghanistan. Myself and other former Guantanamo prisoners have actually given evidence to the ICC with that particular notion, with that particular frame of the United States role in torture in Afghanistan. So unfortunately, the problem is this, is that not a single person, and there have been those who have tried through the United States process to seek justice, um, to even get their cases heard in a US court, despite the fact that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Mansoor, I think three, there have been three to four United States Supreme Court decisions, rulings in favor of the prisoners in different ways. None of those have led to um, a direct correlation to a release of a Guantanamo prisoner. There've just been rulings that have been superseded uh, by the Guantanamo military system that exists there. And that is because Guantanamo operates outside of the law. It doesn't operate within US law, let alone international law. So here the United Nations would be a paper tiger. It couldn't do anything. Even if it says, we order the Guant uh, Guantanamo prisoners to be released and for the place to be closed and for those involved in the abuses to be held to account, the United States would simply say, we don't recognize. This is our jurisdiction, it has nothing to do with you. And that kind of arrogance um, 
is what has maintained the the fact that Guantanamo remains open to this day without with full impunity. If you want to say anything on that, Mansoor, inshallah, go ahead. I have nothing to add, brother Ma'adam. As, as you said, I mean, uh, there is uh, Guantanamo is operating outside the law, and there is nothing can be done. It is as you see, it's like almost twenty years, and it never happened in United State history that people kept indefinite detention for for that long. Still. As from our part, we need to keep campaigning, keep uh, the pressure, and um, inshallah, until it closes. Um, inshallah, we're going to end that. I'm just going to end with asking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking Allah to bring an end to this ordeal for all of our brothers uh, in Guantanamo and our brothers and sisters all around the world. Uh, it is, we start to see, we hope, the hope is that this is the dawn of the end of Guantanamo. But we just don't know. Uh, 10 years ago, we might have thought that oh, it's a 10 year mark. And I know the brothers thought, oh, 10 years is long enough. It must end. Um, but 40 prisoners is a lot less than 779, which was the original number. But that's still 40 individuals. That's a lot of individuals. And that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of cumulative pain of hundreds of years, if you add them all together, of incarceration and torture. And as you've heard this, this evening, separation from your family uh, you know if there's anything that hurts a prisoner more than anything else it's the separation from your family as as all the all, all the prisoners know this and, and guantanamo separation is not like separation anywhere else guantanamo you do not even the idea of a visit of a family member is out of the question it's 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 it that's it even if you do get a phone call after 10 years of incarceration count yourself lucky um so this is what Guantanamo is, we will make sure that people never forget as long as we have brothers like Mansoor, like Faiz, like Shakir, like Sami, like Lakhdar uh, Boumediem, like any of the brothers who came out and spoke, even if it was one word against the evil of Guantanamo, then may Allah subhanahu wa take that word to be uh, something that stands for them on the day of judgment and that shakes the governments into recognizing that no matter how long you hold these prisoners for, there will always be somebody, there will always be a word of truth against you, regardless of whatever you try to do to stop them. So inshallah, I ask you to, as I, as I said before, to share this letter, um, also get involved with uh, the campaign to fight against Guantanamo, follow myself, follow Mansoor, follow Cage, um, follow Faiz al Kandari if you're an Arabic speaker um, and see what the brothers are doing. Follow uh, um, Muhammad Walid Salahi and his work that he's doing uh, at a different level. All these voices in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, are here to fight for justice. Uh, my uh, final word to you, Mansoor, anything you want to say, and inshallah we will end. Uh, just uh, would like us, the brothers and sisters, to pray for uh, our brothers in Guantanamo, especially Saifullah Bracha, because Saifullah has also uh, a critical health condition. And uh, special prayers to our brothers in Gaza. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for them. I mean, and uh, to our brothers and sisters all around the world. Jazakumullah khair wa sadakumullah jami'an. Jazakumullah khair, brothers and sisters, for listening and for taking part, and to all the brothers and sisters behind the scenes from Cage who helped to make this happen. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiraka wa tubu alayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.